Hey, Keenan Real Estate Investors, welcome back to the show. We got an incredible and special interview for you. This is an interview I did at our Kingdom REI Summit with a pastor, Mr. Jason Hawk, who's also part of our mastermind. And, the, and what we titled this show was The Financially Free Pastor. And Jason shares his story in this interview about he came to a point early in his career as a pastor where he realized that he was a liability for his church and his family if he didn't figure out how to create wealth. And he decided to learn how to do that through real estate investing. It is it is one of those interviews that I think will have ripple effects in eternity for those who listen to this show. And so I'm really excited that you get a chance to listen to this. Uh, take some time to focus in and listen to this show because I think it's really important. I hope you enjoy it. Six years ago, Ellis Hammond's entire mission changed. He was a full-time college pastor with vision and passion, but broke. Now a full-time real estate entrepreneur, Ellis is the founder of Kingdom Real Estate Investors, the number one community for faith-driven leaders impacting the world through real estate investing. If you're a kingdom-minded real estate investor or entrepreneur seeking to advance God's kingdom outside the church walls, welcome to the Kingdom REI podcast where Ellis interviews Christian entrepreneurs and investors focused on advancing God's kingdom through real estate investing. Enjoy the show. Welcome. Thank you. Great to have you. Well, let me let me start here. Just I'd love for you to introduce uh, yourself and who, who you are and, and kind of how you fit in this real estate, kingdom real estate space. Okay. So... My wife and I, Joni, we've been married 35 years. Uh, I'm 56 and I have three children. My oldest is my son, Garrett. Some of you may know him. I have a daughter that's 28 and then a daughter that's 26. And I've been in a pastoral ministry for 36 years. 36 years I've worked in the role as a pastor. And I've been a real estate investor for 26, 27 years. And my history of real estate really just came out of a, of a response to, to my concern. And my first concern was just to, just to be living in the will of God as a man, as a husband, as a father, as a pastor, as a kingdom leader. I just wanted to make sure that I was participating in what God was calling me to. So 20 years old when I started as a pastor and then married young at 21. And my wife and I, we had, you know, two small children. And my introduction to really real estate really just came out of this need. And I think I would summarize the last 27 years of real estate investing kind of it moved in three stages, just three different movements in my mind as far as real estate. The first one was just this need this need to provide for my wife and my children. I was 20 some years old. My wife wanted to stay at home and be a mom to our young children. I was a young pastor of a church and I was trying to think about my future, what's gonna be and when I'm 50 years old, 60 years old, will I have anything at all just to survive and to live? So I would say that was probably my most elementary introduction to real estate. I just had a need. I was trying to survive. And I knew that if I didn't come up with a way 
to meet my needs financially and to work towards the future. I just knew it wasn't going to happen. And I was just going to say this. My want to was just off the charts. I knew it was going to come down to how deep I wanted to be able to function as a father, husband, pastor, both currently as a with young children and in the future. I really think that's what separates people that achieve or not achieve in real estate or whatever it is. It really comes down to how big your want to is. Over the years, people will come to me and say, I'd love to do something that involves real estate. And it takes about three questions to knock them out of the conversation. They don't really want it. I think it's interesting. There's, I don't, I haven't thought much about it until just recently, but when I first started, there was no internet. There was no, obviously no podcast. Real estate definitely wasn't cool to invest in. I mean, uh, you had Carlton Sheets and that was about it. I mean, no one was talking about investing in real estate. And I did not know one person. I didn't know one person that owned any type of investment property. I just knew that that was an opportunity if I got serious about it. I don't even know where I would be today, real estate wise, if I would have had resources like what's available today, mentorships, coaching, podcasts. I mean, you're overwhelmed with information on how to do real estate well. And I was just desperate. I had no idea. And I just knew that if I didn't do it, it wasn't going to happen. And I think one of the differences probably between when I was in my 20s and where some people are today in their 20s and 30s is there's kind of an undercurrent in our culture, both in the kingdom and out of the kingdom. There's this undercurrent that we're waiting for someone else to meet our need. That's a small need. That's a big need. And I really think it's unfortunate people waiting around for someone else to show them the three easy steps to have a long-term portfolio, whatever it might be. So my want to is really strong. That was like the elementary stage, elementary stage. I had this need for family. The second stage was probably a little bit more mature. And that was, I wanted to be kingdom generous. I wanted to live far beyond kind of this uh, introductory level of giving a tithe. I wanted to just kind of set the mark for being generous because what I discovered was that the heart of God is generosity. And if my concerned if my burden was to be in the will of God, that meant that there was never a time when I was more like God than when I was generous. And so that grew in me as my children grew, as our family pastoral leadership stuff for those 26, 27 years. Most of the time as a family, we were serving in ministry, either starting churches or restarting churches. And that grew in me once we got to that level where we could meet our family needs, it just grew into me that I wanted to be generous and I wanted to do more than just grow a real estate portfolio for my own benefit. It's interesting because over the years, people will come to me and they'll say, hey, I want to be a part of real estate investing. And usually my first question is, why do you want to do that? And if their response to me is, well, there's, I want to get a bigger boat. I want to have a different lifestyle that allows me to just indulge and the pleasures of life. That's really not my interest, you know, and I'll just tell them, hey, I'm sorry, I'm probably not the guy that wants to help you. But if, if they say to me, we 
we just want to focus, maybe their wife and them, they just want to focus on being generous towards God, then that's a whole different conversation because I know then their motivation is the best motivation. And it's just a satisfying thing when you get to that point where you can not only meet your family need, but you can give to God and to give God's people. Someone needs an automobile. You can buy them an automobile. Somebody's child needs braces. You can put braces on their teeth. You're doing that kind of as a second nature because God's blessed you with you know, some real estate opportunity. Then the third stage or the third movement probably as a pastor, and this happened probably a dozen years ago, and that is I didn't want my calling as a pastor to be manipulated by a paycheck. And I would say one of the most common observations I see in pastors today, doesn't matter what age they are, often it's older pastors. I see that they realize that they are not in alignment with the calling of God. Wherever they're leading, they see that they're out of alignment. And they know they shouldn't be leading in some area of ministry, but they refuse to be obedient and step out of a role because there's a paycheck attached to it. And I would say there's a great deal of people that lead in the kingdom that's just being manipulated in their calling because they want to make a paycheck. That's pretty unfortunate, and I wish it wasn't there. But I think it comes back to this undercurrent of we're waiting for someone to meet our need. And if you're in ministry, if you're serving or you're leading in the kingdom, you're thinking, well, I'm going to wait for someone else to meet my family's needs. And I didn't want to be a part of that. And that's something that probably has escalated pretty significantly over the last 12, 14 years. So I would say for me, it's been this tension between knowing God's called me to be a pastor, but realizing I don't need to wait for someone else to write me a check before I can do it. There's this interesting tension in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 14, Paul says that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from that gospel. But the ne very next verse, verse, verse 15, he says, but I have not used any of those rights, and I would rather die than have someone deprive me of that boast. That's an awesome thought. And that's really where I wanted to live a number of years ago. I thought, I just want to be able to be obedient to the call of God. And it's such a freeing thing just to do the will of God and not have to worry about who's going to pay me to do that. So that's kind of my stages as a thought about living with this title that you give me a financially free pastor. I didn't want to, I didn't want to stop you because it was so refreshing. I have so many questions for you. The thing that I want to want to hang on there and I, it's in, I, I have a different language for this, but I want to, I want to bring it up as I, I call it the, the missionary mindset. And like you, Jason, I was a missionary for six years and it felt like we're always complaining about money. <laughs> never had enough of it. It was always, everything was based on a budget. And I mean, like personally, like my staff members, right? Like it, it was, and it just assumed, we just assumed always that we were going to be poor. Right. It was just like, and it, and it, and it, and what I began to realize as I began on this journey of wealth creation and really up here, changing my mindset, what I realized is like, it was very victim. It was a victim mentality of like, 
you don't actually have to be that way. You, you don't have to be in ministry and be poor and not be able to do the things for your family that you want to be able to do. You choose. You're, you're choosing that lifestyle because the reality is you actually do have the time to be in ministry and then go learn how to build wealth. You are just choosing to use your role in ministry as an excuse right. to be poor. <laughs> like, right. And it's true. I mean, I did it. I, I say that out of I had that mentality and used that excuse for a very long time to not provide, to not, again, that's why I say like that young man's, that moment I shared earlier today impacted my life and realized if I don't go figure out how to do something for this guy, who is, right? right? So let me ask you like, how does someone begin to change, transform their mind to get out of that mentality, that victim mentality? Like, I mean, you said you had a want to like speak to that. Like, how do you form that though, Jason? Like, can you form that? Right. And I don't, obviously my story is all com connected to ministry, right? Everything about me, I was 20 years old, God called me to be a pastor. I went through all that process of just, I just wanted to be in the will of God. But I don't think that matters if you're a pastor, if you're just a, someone that's serving in the kingdom, whatever, local church, whatever. Ultimately, the question has to be, is my first desire to be in the will of God? And that's a heart issue more than anything else, right? Which is always the caution of scripture is, if our heart's desire is to be in alignment with the will of God, that is a huge umbrella. And it's continually asking yourself, am I reducing this part of my life to just this narrow track of an identified ministry, whatever that is? So I think ultimately it keeps coming back and it has to be, if you're married, it has to be a couple of things. It keeps coming back to whether I'm a, a pastor or am I just a kingdom person that has business, do I want to be living in the will of God? And if I do, then I have to be able to be have the courage to say, look, that, that's a huge umbrella that covers many things. And if I want to be generous, I don't have to make an excuse that I can't be generous because I don't have anything. And so I think the motivation for me was just a maturity going from providing to my family to wanting to be generous and the same excuses is shared by those in some sort of a formal ministry role as a leader or someone not. The default setting is, well, that's just not me, or I don't know if that's really what God wants of me. And that person has to sort all that out for them. But for me, I know that the character of God is expressed best through generosity. And I want to be generous. And I don't want to make excuses. Because, <laughs> you know, Often the people that make excuses about their time also make excuses about lack of resource, you know, and just listen to the, the, the group that was talking earlier. I mean, they're doing multiple things on overload because they know the bigger thing is what they're working towards and they're not making the excuse. You know, they've got three or four things going, but that's not an excuse because they know the bigger thing is the more important thing. So just a thought. Great thought, Jason. How how do you how have you dealt with over the years? And I, and I I don't want this to be so specific to you as the pastor because I know not everyone in this group is a pastor. But but 
being a Christian, being in ministry, being, and maybe more importantly, being a face of, for Christians, like that's what the pastor is, right? Like, you know, you're the, you're, you're the billboard of, of Christianity, right? As the pastor for better or for worse. And yet you're building your, you are a real estate investor. You're, you're building wealth. You're generating money. How, how has that been? And how have you dealt and kind of gone through the sure, the pushback, the, the, the whiplash that you've gotten from, I thought you're supposed to be in ministry or a person of God. Why are you, why are you in real estate or why are you talking about money or why are you building wealth? I, I know I've experienced that. I'm just curious in, in how you might help others that are, that are in kingdom REI, that are in the Facebook group, that are in this summit, that love the Lord, that have a want and desire to build wealth and be generous and yet have to deal with people maybe who, who don't have that mentality. Right. Well, I think it's a pretty common first hurdle for any follower of Jesus. And that first hurdle following him is usually your identity in him and your security on what he's calling you to. Right. And honestly, most Christians, most Christian leaders are pretty insecure in their role. And part of it is just how I'm wired initially is just, I just knew what God wanted of me. And, and often that's just, I knew it. My wife knew it. And we still talk about as recent as yesterday, people don't understand it. You know, we have friends that have our age, followed Jesus, known us off and on for 25 years. And they're still trying to figure out how they're going to you know, I'm 56. And so a lot of our circles in their fifties and they're trying to figure out how do we get to that next stage of life? And they're trying to, you know, kind of whittle their budget down to as, as small as they can get it. And they, and honestly, I feel sorry for them because we had conversations with some of them 10, 15 years ago, and they had opportunity to think bigger about their future. They just didn't do it. So I guess my response is what a pastor or not is you've got to be honest enough with yourself and say, look, if I'm not looking down the road and being confident enough of what God's calling me to do and knowing what my responsibilities are at home with my family, the bigger kingdom picture, you're going to struggle with that. And my tendency probably is not to give as much concern to what other people are thinking, but I just know now, you know, when we started doing this thing out of necessity years ago, that was our only option. We just, you know, you just had to do it. But now, almost 30 years into it, when God has blessed us so much, and now we're just living in all of the, the fruit of it, and we're just kind of overwhelmed by the fruit of it. When we started out, we weren't looking towards that. We were just trying to get the thing done. But now we're very fortunate, and people watch how we live. And my wife and I continually have this conversation because we live a very comfortable life compared to most of the people around us that would observe us. And that might, in their mind, seem a little bit odd. But I keep coming back to this idea. We are we just living a life, as Paul would say, you know, you, you give out of a way of life in keeping with your income. Well, in keeping with our income, our life is probably very fortunate but we're able to give generously. We're able to live a, a life that maybe others can't live. I don't apologize for that because we knew why we were doing it. We, we just knew why. We didn't know ultimately how well God would bless us in it, 
but we knew our first pursuit wasn't a selfish pursuit. It really wasn't selfish. I don't know if you were here when I started this summit today or not, if you heard my talk, but I, I talked about that idea of that sense of calling. And it's exactly what you're saying is that what I realized early on, Jason, exactly what you're saying is that those, those folks didn't have a, like those, I call them those people, the they's, they don't have a calling because a calling is never about you. It's about someone else. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you're not on your time frame. You're on, and if, cause if your calling is about them and not you, then you're no right. longer on your time frame. You're on their time frame. And we never know how much time that someone else has, much less right. ourselves, right? But right. especially somebody else. And so I, I think that's exactly how we started is like, it's that conviction. It's the, man, what has God called me to? And I don't have time to worry about what everyone else thinks because I got to, I'm living my life with urgency. And to your point, right. what I, those are your friends, probably dear friends. And I think about those dear minister friends of mine that I love and that are still friends that I see today, but guess what? We were the same in the same exact spot three years ago. Today mm -hmm. I'm a millionaire mm -hmm. because I had the conviction of I want, I'm gonna do this, I want to do this, I'm gonna go figure it out. We started from the same spot, we had the same mentality, <laughs> right? The same job, the same network. And so I, I so I, I'll say all this is I, I just appreciate that because what you're saying goes back to that of like, Am I called? Do I feel called? And 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 I I would love to hear you as a pastor for those who are wrestling with they maybe have such a poor money mindset. What would you say to them of like how God maybe wants to it's it's honestly hard to even ask a question, right, Jason? Because we've been so ingrained that we can't talk about blessing and prosperity. Even the word prosperity has a negative stigma. As a from someone with a pastor's heart speaking over a kingdom audience today, what blessing do you give them to pursue abundance, pursue wealth, pursue money? What what would you say? It may, a blessing and a warning may be helpful, but I don't know. Right. More so, the reality is we get more of the warning than we ever do a blessing. And so right. what is your blessing? I think two thoughts with that. One of them is, and I've kind of watched this over the last 25, 30 years. I don't think there's ever been, just in our, in within the short bounds of my lifetime, I don't know if I've ever seen such a selfish group of people come before God, Okay just selfish kind of on every level. We don't really want to be involved in any kind of, the essence of discipleship is discipline. I mean, that's the essence of the word is a life of discipline, right? And we're the most undisciplined disciples of any time in my lifetime. We just come very selfishly to God. But we often think of God blessing us of something that we don't have to participate in. You know, God, you bless us in the most selfish of way. Just meet my need, God. <laughs> And God's ultimate promise is that he wants to, now think about this, he wants to partner with us in our wisdom of life. He wants to partner with us. And he invites us to discover that. But we function at a pretty, pretty selfish level today. I mentioned just that undercurrent inside the church, outside the church. We want someone else. And God, if you want to do it, I'm, we're all about that. God, you meet the need that I think I've identified in my life. So I think that blessing part, nothing's more satisfying. You don't feel more blessed than you actually work as a partner with God to, to bear fruit. I mean, other than that, I mean, what 
anything outside of God would be a very selfish ambition, I would think. So if you want the blessing of God, God continues to say, come on, be a part of it. Come and be a part of it. But the essence of that blessing is to live a life of making important decisions called discipline. You know, it's, it's about two things, I think. Number one, asking yourself what matters in life. And then number two, what matters most in life. Most people, most Christians don't even ask what matters in life. They don't even ask. When there's so much loss of independent thought in our Christian culture today, everyone just ends up going through a door everyone tells them to go through. You know, we end up living a life everyone else tells us how to live, right? So the idea of a disciplined life following Jesus, with independently thinking about God's calling on our heart, most of the time, that doesn't even get to that point. And unfortunately, often those leading churches today don't call people to that. You know, come and take from God, basically. He's there to, to give you what you want. So I think the first thing is the, the best blessing from God is the one that you've worked alongside him, that he's invited you to be a participant in, to live that life of a, life of a disciplined follower of Jesus. And then I think the second thing with that, is you just cannot be embarrassed to want the heart of God, which is generosity. You know, the litmus test for any motivation with wealth is always what are you willing to give? You know, that was Paul's caution to Timothy is, you know, you be careful, be careful because you might be trapped or deceived. But all of that, that barrier is broken when you're generous. So my wife and I are very fortunate. When we first started years and years ago, my wife would joke with three small kids and all these responsibilities. She joked, she'd go, I just want to be a philanthropist. And she'd joke, I just want to be. Well, now we're at that stage in life that God's blessed us with these life of discipline, I would say, that right now the, the primary decision making that my wife does or that we do together is where we can be generous. You know, we just have an entire template and an Excel spreadsheet on kind of what our, we have kind of multiple categories. One of them is our monthly burden. Where's our burden that God just placed on us? And the others are those regular rhythms of ministries that we invest in. But my point is the real gut check for wealth is generosity. And we have to keep asking, we ask ourselves this. Ellis, I would say almost weekly, my wife and I ask ourselves, are we generous? Are we still in the heart of God? God keeps blessing us financially, and we could be very selfish with it. Now, someone in the local church, I could probably put 10 pastors in this room, and they wouldn't even understand that because they're so upside down financially. They don't even understand how, how to, they can't even teach it, let alone live it, right? So it's, a, it's being okay that a generous God wants to grow generosity in us mm. in an extravagant way. Wow, that's good, man. Jason, no one, no one talks about this, man. This, this is the reality. It brings me to tears. I'm looking in the comments in Facebook of just how many people are just like, um, yeah, I want to, like Sanchez says, I want to bring this to the Hispanic community in Houston. Tracy you know, this has been awesome content. Where has this been all my life? Like, so first of all, thank you for being bold, for following your calling, for, you know, not not letting the discouragement I'm sure you faced for many years to, to be overcome. And I, I love what you said there. And, and it is unfortunate that a lot of our spiritual education comes from broke pastors, you know, in terms of wealth creation. And I think we have to be aware of that. And call that out, but then also support 
our local churches, support right. our communities, support our pastors. You know, it, unfortunately, I mean, it, it it is their fault and it's not their fault. It is your fault and it's not your fault. The reality is we just live in this broken cycle. It's why our education, our, it's why most people right. live average because we're in this system of we take the same advice from the same broke people over and over until you become broke, you know? Right. And then like right. it repeats. Right. So my last question is just, how do people help their community? How do people help their churches begin to think differently, begin to act differently, begin to live differently? Coming from a pastor, how can someone come in and not be abrasive, not be rude, not be condemning, but be challenging and be helpful and, and really help to kind of create a different culture around wealth creation and generosity? I'm probably not good to answer the question because most of my role has been in that leadership role. So it's easier for the person at the front of the room to get a conversation started. So I've never really had much opportunity to be that person that's not in that role. So I'd say it's a hard thing, but I would say the conversation, like any conversation needs to happen with just a few people that are interested. And I would say teachable people, you know, people that... I use that phrase, the want to part of a kind of a, a template by which I have conversations with people is just how bad is their want to, you know, I have guys 40, 50 years old come to me and they've had some other career that it's met their financial need, but no long-term. And they'll come to me at 55 years of age saying, Hey, I'm thinking about getting into real estate because I need to think about my retirement. I'm like, okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> you and who, how many other people, but then their want to isn't strong, right? So I'd say even conversations in the local church concept, if you can have a couple of conversations with people that have a want to, that just want to learn differently, the people leading it, the ministers, the pastors, they may be unaware, but if they want to come and participate in that conversation, you know how it works. A couple of conversations with the right people, you can begin to expand the conversations for people. We just do it so poorly in the church. It's, it's embarrassing sometimes. I mean, never do you really understand the heart of a person until you start laying out how they view money. You know, Jesus said our money and our heart travel together. And very few people, including leaders in the church, they just don't understand it. Mm -hmm. It's very complicated to them. And I think my short answer to your question, Ellis, is just have a conversation with a couple other people that want to have the conversation and are willing to learn and be taught. Yeah, no, I think that's so powerful. I, you know, I, I talk about like getting comfortable with the uncomfortable conversation, which is, which is typically money. Right. And, yeah. and, and it's not something that, that I think, you know, we, we, I go back to that, like the, the thing that the young man needed when my whole mission changed, he needed money. Right. And if, and if we can't get comfortable talking about money, we'll never fix it. Right. We'll never solve the issue. And so, I think, you know, that that's what I hear you saying too, is, is guys, if you're listening to this and you're saying, amen, amen. And then you think about your people and you're like, yeah, those people, those people right. you got to bring it up. You, right. you have to talk about this. That's why like, I often, I often ask people how much money they make. And, and most people say, you know, no one's ever asked me that. And I'll say, well, and the reason I ask them that I'm like, well, one, are you, are you, you know, are you, I, I see them as most people that I respect and I want to be like them. Like, well, how much money are you making? And, you know, it, is it worth it? Like, what are you doing with it? Because I, I just want to, I, I want to know that I'm curious. It's, 
And I think that's kind of the heart. And maybe what I'm trying to say here is that the reason Kingdom Real Estate Investors is alive today is because I was curious. I was motivated. I had a calling and I didn't know how to go do it. And I think coming from that perspective too, is just like, what would it look like, man, if the next generation of the church were wealth creators? Right. 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 Like, let's, say, let's start, start talking about it. Like, maybe that's not a good thing, but we don't know unless we ask the question. <laughs> right? I, th I think it's, I think it's almost unfair in the context of kingdom conversation, it's almost unfair for someone to ask someone for money, but then not show them how to make money, mm. you know, because our system to show people how to make money is broken. I mean, it worked pretty yeah. well about 35 years ago. And then we crossed a plateau where our, the kind of the basic routine system of public education no longer was that able for someone to, to actually do life well. You couldn't. I mean, you can't even you can't even pay your college debt, let alone be generous and be wealthy. And I think because that system broke, we've got embarrassed and didn't even know how to talk about wealth. Yeah. We didn't know how to do it because in the old days, if you saved a 10 percent of your income from retirement, you'd have a little bit of wealth and you could have you could have spurts of generosity along the way. And your house was paid for because it was like thirty eight thousand dollars. Yep. And when we outgrew that, we just became silent in the church wow. because we did not know. We did not know how to build wealth. And so a lot of ministries depend on a pocket of one or two people that figured yep. it out. Instead of bringing them to the front of the room and teaching and asking, it, yeah, and teaching wow. it, we just go. I mean, this is a side conversation, but it's so interesting. We give money to kingdom and and we get immediate responses from people, uh, from ministries. Oh, we're so thankful for your generosity. And, and I even got some phone calls. Thank you for that generosity. You're a pastor. How are you able to give this money? But they don't ask me how I make it. And I'm like, it's unfair to ask people for it if we're not also showing them how. You know, it's just unfair. That's great, man. I, I know you're literally blowing people's minds. I can't, I'm going to put this and I think this is one of those conversations that needs to be shared. And so with your permission, I'd like to share this on our podcast too, if that's okay, sure. because I think this is uh, this is one of those conversations that can be a bridge for many people going back to their local churches, going back to their families, maybe sitting down with their spouse and really beginning to, to, to ask that question. Hey, you know, is what we're doing actually going to allow us to really get to where we want to get to, to have right. the type of impact that we want to have? And unfortunately, the answer for most people is no, it's not. No, uh, it's it's not. And, um, no. you know, I, I mean, I love the person of Dave Ramsey, but, you know, unfortunately, his, his methods are 30 years old. And like you just yeah. said, it's, it's never enough to, to really help people create freedom. And so... Um, Anyways, man, I, I'm Jason. I'm so grateful for you. I'm so glad that you're a part of this community. And I, I need to let you preach more, man. That's what I learned today. <laughs> <laughs> I know you may not be online that much, or maybe you are, but if folks want to chat with you more or even learn, I mean, wh where would they go to connect with you? Just the easiest contact is just contact me at my email address, jasonhawk241 at gmail.com. That's just, that's the easiest way to, to reach me. 
Uh, absolute Jason Hawk two four one gmail.com man you you know you 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 might you might have a second uh, a a third or fourth career whatever career you're in at this point uh, as a as a you know maybe maybe a speaker man like a like a like a not just from the pulpit but you know right. how many communities need to start having these conversations right and so right. guys if you want Jason my and I, I say this hopefully with your uh, with your blessing but guys if you want Jason to speak at something you're doing um, email him I I just think he has such a an interesting perspective and in, in is is has built the trust and authentic authenticity of leading faithfully a church and yet he's also built and create wealth for him and his family and for others it's like you know you may not trust me because i'm young and it's like uh, we're still going to figure this guy out right like is he going to pass the uh the litmus test but jason's done it right and and he and he's you know he he's running the race and has ran it for a long time and so anyways man i felt called to say that i'm like I, I just want, I want you to be on more stages. Like I want you to be in more in front of more people sharing this because I know how bad we need it as a community. And so guys, I, I, I just encourage you to reach out to Jason. If you're like, Hey, I, I want to see him impact my community or my church, whatever. And if you're open to that, man, you know, you can just say no to them too. But I, I well, I, I appreciate, I appreciate that, Ellison. It really is the title you gave me, the financially free pastor. I don't know how you came up with that. Cause we had not talked about it. But that is the life that my wife and I live. Like our basically our life now is we respond to the burdens in us. And the burden for us has always been next generation. And so we have a life that we sit down and we write our own calendar. I mean, we don't have anyone saying this is where you need to be. And our burden, our burden is for teachable people that have a heart for the kingdom. That's that's our burden. And we have the freedom now because I don't I'm not don't have to worry about anybody paying me anything. I have the freedom now just to say, these are the people I want to have a conversation with. So that's, that's our motivation. That's kind of where we see ourselves is uh, investing in teachable people, kingdom-minded people. And uh, we'd love to be a part of that. Yeah. Well, I'm grateful that you're here, man. You're part of Kingdom REI. So I'm going to let you go. Uh, thank you for joining us. And uh, guys, uh, please show some love for, for, for Jason uh, in the comments here. Uh, let us know your biggest takeaway. I'm excited to share this episode on, on more places or this 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 conversation in more places because I just know how powerful it is. And if you're not in the if you're not in the Facebook, uh, Jason, I mean, you know, our buddy Todd says, you know, I've been in the closet with my Christian friends about the same subject for decades. So I'm telling you, man, like you're unleashing, you're breaking chains for people. And I I want to minister to you for a minute and say seriously, man, I. You've been doing it for so long. You've been swimming in the waters. I don't think you realize how powerful this is and how much chains and bondage is on the church right now because I'm I'm out there kind of battling this every day. I hear it, I see it, I feel it. You you you're an you're a blessing, man. You're an answer. And I just want to say let like I hope that that we can figure out ways together to let God use you in this conversation because you can break chains for people because you've 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 you're you've ran the race for so long and I know your heart and it's authentic when you say it. And so anyways, uh, receive that, man, because you're powerful. Appreciate it. Thank you much. All right. Thank you. All. We'll talk soon, man. Hey, just because the show's over doesn't mean the journey is. Listen, if you are a faith-driven real estate professional or investor, then you'll want to go to the kingdomrei.com to learn about our mastermind. If you're interested in investing alongside me in alternative investments like multifamily apartment complexes, then head to ellishammond.com to learn more about that. Cheers.